Welcome to Clinician Voice. I'm Robin Geiger, Senior VP of Clinician Advocacy for Ingenivus Health. Today, we dive into strategies, insights, and inspiration for attaining professional growth from a nurse executive paving the way in healthcare leadership. Dr. Quana Batiste-Brown, Chief Nursing Officer of Ambulatory Care at UCLA Health, oversees nursing in over 275 clinics. She is also an adjunct associate professor at UCLA School of Nursing, where she teaches organizational and system leadership. Recognized with awards like the UCLA Health Directors Award, she's a fellow of the UCLA Health Center of Creative Leadership Academy and an advisory board rising executives fellow. Dr. Batiste Brown is committed to community outreach, founding a medical assistant program and actively addresses healthcare disparities through her involvement in a task force with the American Nurse Association in California. Her reach in the healthcare industry is expansive as she holds board positions, consults, and speaks as a subject matter expert on many healthcare issues, including racism and nursing. I'm very proud and excited to welcome Dr. Batiste Brown. Well, thank you, Robin. That was an amazing introduction. And uh, I'm also a recent inductee into the American Academy of Nursing. So I'm also a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing as of October 2023. So very proud of that accomplishment as well. Absolutely. Congratulations. I am not surprised and very deserving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Really excited to found, find out more about how you and are leading and inspiring others to grow through professional development. I know this is a passionate of yours. Absolutely. You know, professional development is something that is a lifelong journey. And I'm so fortunate to be able to be in a position where I can inspire others and foster opportunities for professional growth. So I think this is a wonderful topic as we enter a time, you know, we're in a new year, it's time for new things and, and people who have the opportunity to explore their profession, their current role, and what are the things they want to grow in. Uh, I am the CNO at UCLA Health, so I'm Chief Nursing Officer for Ambulatory Care, so more than 275 clinics now and growing. And my wow. responsibility is clinical practice for those clinics. And that means, you know, for medical assistants, registered nurses, LVNs as well. We also have techs of various disciplines as we are a multi-specialty uh, academic medical hospital that is servicing uh, tertiary quaternary patients. So we have, you know, very sick patients. We deliver, you know, world-class care. And um, I help to de develop and deliver care in a way by, you know, outlining policies and processes for the care that's delivered in the clinics. That's wonderful. Um, with your, I imagine, expanded role at UCLA Health, what are you most passionate about? It sounds like you wear multiple hats and you have a lot going on. Yeah, I am most passionate about advocacy. I believe that that is where my true self shows up. So if it's advocating for the right roles, the right resources, um, the right staffing for a clinic, um, to be sure that the, everyone has what they need in order to do their jobs. I believe as nursing leaders, it's our responsibility to take care of the people who take care of the people, take care of the people. And, and that shows up for me through advocacy. I love that. Um, you mentioned and you're known for helping others become leaders in professional development. And that's yes. important for multitude of reasons. 
why do you think it's important to encourage professional development outside of, you know, the annual mandatory requirements that we all have as nurses? How do you support them to grow? I, I believe professional development and supporting that first starts where you have to understand and know the staff that are reporting to you. So you you need to develop a relationship to be able to have conversations um, with the nurses, with the medical assistants about what's important to them and where do they see themselves in the next year, in the next five years, so that you can actually have a formal professional development plan. So for all the teams, all the members on my teams, we have a professional development plan and it's not limited to the annual requirements, but really their aspirational goals of where they see themselves going. And I help to identify what their strengths are and, and guide them in the direction into professional development opportunities that align not only with their role, but with their passion for, for career development. Wow. So that that's a lot. And um, so I wanted to just break that down just a little bit. So I, I, I know that we've spoken about in the past about like clinician and patient safety, learning and trends and, you know, improving quality of care. So because of the large diverse team that you support, how do you encourage that difference in professional development among that variety of clinicians? I'm, I'm sure it's something different um, for everyone. And yeah, it's, sure, and yeah. yeah. And it, it requires that um, myself, I need to understand what's out there. So making sure that I'm participating in conferences, that I'm reading journals, that I'm reading the emails that I get from the various different organizations and healthcare, such as Becker's, that really provide information and insights into what the upcoming roles in healthcare will be. But then it's also understanding the roles that we have here and what is required to keep those roles um, with the current evidence to be sure that they are fresh on their, their knowledge. So then when we're making policies and we're uh, creating new standards that they are based on evidence. So it really requires to understand the unique roles that we have, um, what the job trajectory could be, and then aligning the resources both internally at UCLA and externally as well. Understood. Yeah, that's, I'm sure that that's, that can be challenging when you have RNs and you have administrators, and then you also have like uh, medical assistants. And and speaking about that, and Genovis Health just launched their 2024 scholarship program, and it includes 10 scholarships for allied health professionals. So this brings me to our next topic. Let's talk about your medical assistant program. Absolutely. So, yeah, so a medical assistant degree from UCLA is huge. How did this how did this program start? Yeah. So the program started because I needed resources. So it was a barter <laughs> deal. Right. So as right. You know, nurse leaders, we need resources to be able to move our initiatives forward. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was growing a role for RN practice coordinator, which is a quality safety educator role that supports the clinics. Uh, and I needed two FTEs. And in order to get two FTEs, our COO at the time, Ms. Farah Alahi, said, well, we should have a medical assistant program. So I'll give you two FTEs if you start a medical assistant program. <laughs> but little oh. did I know that that was a huge undertaking. And, and after, but I really, you know, after doing some homework, reaching out to medical assistant programs, understanding the gaps that we were seeing when we were hiring MAs, we would often have to teach them things that they should have known if they were coming from a from a you know from an accredited medical assistant program but out in the community i was able to see that you know there are variations in the way that the program was delivered and as a nurse by training i felt that there were things that we could teach the medical assistants that would enable them to be better prepared to care for our patients 
nurse designed medical assistant program that is actually a 12 month program. Some medical assistant programs may be six months, some are a number of weeks, but we take 12 months. So 10, uh, four 10 week terms to train our medical assistants. And we do residency after they are, uh, when they uh, eventually are hired into the clinic. So we have a residency program, much like a nurse residency program, which is different, but we also start them doing clinical rotations and caring for patients in the second term. Uh, which is different than traditional medical assistant programs, which wait until the externship to have them start caring for patients. So we enculturate them into what it means to be a caregiver at UCLA and what our expectations are for caring for our patients. Wow, that's that sounds amazing. And I, I I'd like to know how how many years has this been underway? I mean, because I've seen some of the pictures. We definitely did our, our research and looked around, and it, I saw a lot of happy graduates. How many graduates have come through your program, just about, and then yeah. how many years has this program been underway? So uh, over 100 graduates we've seen, um, and we've been running this program for eight years. We started our first cohort, uh, just our aim was 25 students in one in 12 months. We wanted to be able to have 25 students in 12 months. We did very little advertising, sent out one email and got 50 applicants, took 25 and all 25 are graduates and eventually were hired into the clinics. So fast forward, um, this program is also 100% scholarship funded through amazing scholarships from external donors, um, the School of Medicine. So our, our attendees uh, 100% scholarship funded, including books, uniforms. Um, they only have to have shoes. So wow. uh, our, we are designing this to really be able to um, be a step up, you know, for underserved populations or for individuals who want a second career. Um, our medical assistants are also nationally certified. So we have them sit for the national certification, which is not a requirement, but our medical assistants are asked and they do sit for that national certification. And we're also running simultaneously a phlebotomy program so that um, we are accredited to, as a provider for licensing for phlebotomy. So our MAs come out, they are nationally certified and they are licensed phlebotomists. And this has been going on for um, eight years now. We're in year eight. And so wow. we're 25 students in one year. Now we're, our goal is 100 students per year. That's, that's pretty impressive. What type of positions, and, and I'm assuming that, I'm hoping that some of those medical assistants are definitely being absorbed into your family of, of positions and how many of them or what percentage of them stay with UCLA Health? The ones who who have been hired on, I would say 97% are still here. So we have a high retention rate and we also have a high um, hire rate. So we don't guarantee that the medical assistants are given a job. They interview for the positions just as um, anyone else would interview, but they are hired because they have already um, been trained into the clinic. They do the residency. They're very strong and we pick the best candidates for the program. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. Um, so if we could shift just a bit and talk about maybe what type of positions are medical assistants prepared to enter in after completing the program? Absolutely. So they're entering into position as medical assistants first, but they're also being hired some as care navigators, which is a new role that they're entered into. Um, they, they support both front office and back office staff. So that means that they're able to do administrative support for the clinics as well as um, provide that back office clinical skill, rooming the patients, performing um, 
assisting with different procedures with the providers. So because we have multi-specialty clinics, we have a float pool. So some of them float around to different uh, departments and they provide care in OBGYN and pediatrics and family practice. Um, and then some actually go into our care navigator roles and other roles within the organization. Um, what's so interesting is that they also have gone on to take on additional roles after becoming a medical assistant and going through our program. So um, many of our students are uh, in master's entry nursing programs after going through our program. And then also we have most recently a graduate of a physician assistant program. So many of the students in our MA program are also interested in being physician's assistants. And so they see this as a way to get in. Um, just this month, uh, this past month, we were interviewing for the upcoming cohort. And one of our students is actually a student at UCLA University. Wow, that's wonderful. So what I'm hearing is this is a, a really solid career pathway into additional roles, not just medical assisting, though, yes. the, the, though the graduates are prepared to go into um, immediate frontline clinician position. So that's really impressive. Yes. Wow. So moving forward with professional development and how you really support them. Is there a mentorship program that's available for the medical assistants or how do you to how do you support them with professional growth and development? Yeah, so with professional growth and development within the program, we have a session where we bring our HR team into the program to be able to teach them um, professional growth interviewing skills, what it means to hold a job, you know, so really foundational uh, information about what it means to be employed. Because we do have individuals who come from various different backgrounds, we want to be sure that they are entering uh, as strong as possible. So we also help them do their resumes. So it's really providing the resources that they need in order to be successful. We partner with Los Angeles Urban League. So they are a huge contributor to um, the students and they they pay a portion of the students or some of the students uh, tuition. And they also do things like give the students gas cards and things so that they're able to get through the program. Um, so it's not all, it's not only really about the education, it's about taking someone who needs resources and giving them a profession and all the things that are needed in order to build up that that structural support. So it's, you know, those social determinants of health are also being addressed with it within the medical assistant program. That's wonderful. And, and I know that we discussed, or you've probably heard about, uh, you know, how the ACT program or Ingenivus Health really support our clinicians through clinician burnout. I have just a general question about clinician burnout for you. Like, what are you seeing in the field as far as with the medical assistants um, or the students with clinician burnout? What can you t- share with us about that? So, you know, we have regular touch points where we meet with the staff, medical assistants, our nurses, um, monthly meetings where we talk about opportunities. Most recently, we introduced an LVN forum. And the purpose of that forum is really to understand what can we do to prevent clinician burnout. You know, we are designing programs and processes around top of license practice, but also looking for opportunities to introduce new roles to be able to augment the workload. So not only the burnout of the medical assistants, but the physicians as well, um, because you know, in ambulatory care, it's a medical model where, you know, the bulk of the work is done by the physician, but without the right support, without well-trained medical assistants 
assistant nurses, the physician is burdening the, the sh shouldering the bulk of the work. So in order to do that, to prevent burnout, it's really designing processes, understanding, and it's just listening, you know, when there's a problem coming up with the solution that would be, you know, that could be standardized and spread across clinics so that we can have a right sizing of the workforce to be able to prevent that burnout. I love that. So it sounds like you're definitely following their career growth and, you know, you're getting that real live feedback on, you know, how they're doing. And that's, that's wonderful that, that they have such a supportive program. My next question for you would be about, you know, in order to support others who would like to do something like what you've done for healthcare executives, establishing professional development programs, what would you advise? I would advise um, look into your community. So often when we're working in healthcare, we work in a silo. We think that our organization sometimes doesn't have an impact on the community. But I would say the first thing to do is get out in the community, um, talk to other organizations, talk to folks in different avenues and understand what the community needs and tailor your program to what the community needs. And I think that that will draw the community into the organization and help you to fill the gaps that you may be looking to fill, which for us was, you know, a gap of having not, you know, medical assistants who could have been better trained, but also a pipeline for for, uh, for for our workforce. So I think for nurse executives or any executive who would also desire to create an allied health program, you know, getting out into the community to see what community resources are already in existence and how you can be a part of it or maybe start um, your own program. You also need to be knowledgeable about what the standards are. So for us, for medical assisting, it was really going to the medical board, understanding what those requirements are, and then looking at, you know, for other people to join your team that can really uh, assist to, to augment this forward. You know, I'm so fortunate to have an associate dean for the medical assistant program, Ms. Adisa Cartwright. She uh, is a registered nurse. She was a medical assistant herself and is very passionate about, you know, community outreach and ensuring that we are doing the best thing for our patients. So I think it's a, it's wonderful when you can reach and see who else within your organization has a passion for what you're passionate about and aligning those passions in order to move your, your initiative forward. Wonderful. So you have a team that aligns with your mission and your passion. And that definitely sounds like you're all checking the right boxes and, and making this program just amazing exemplary model for, for building this medical assistant profession and development. Would like to know if there's anything else that you would share with our listeners today. It has certainly been great talking to you, but before we let you go, what other advice might you have for those listening about professional development and how they can, you know, kind of maybe step outside of their comfort zone and, and really um, learn a new skill or, you know, learn a new advanced, uh, advanced role that they may be interested in? So, so I think that, you know, professional development can be very aspirational and it can be challenging when you think about the day-to-day -day challenges of, of life. But I think um, if if anyone is thinking about a pursuit of professional growth, I think the first step is to write it down. And you need to find an accountability partner, someone who will hold you accountable to moving that forward. So whatever the goal is, if you want to be a chef or if you want to be, you're now a nursing assistant and you want to be an RN, look for a mentor, but also look for an accountability partner. If that's your goal in January 1, 2024, you should find an accountability partner 
who January 1, 2025 is going to ask you about that. And maybe throughout the year, you have some touch points in order to be sure that you're doing something to move it forward. I think that small incremental wins are what move the needle. So for our medical assistants, some of those individuals had never, they didn't know that they could complete anything. But completing a 12-month program provided them with the energy to enter into a master's program or enter into a PA program. So for professional development, sometimes just doing one thing, taking the first step will give you the energy that you need in order to move forward and believe in yourself. I love it. Thank you so much. Those are some really um, powerful last words from you today. Dr. Batiste Brown, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, we hope that you will listen in next time on Clinician Voice.